Hi there. You're listening to Happy Hostess Podcast with Christy Lalonde. I'll be sharing episodes each week to help you entertain and welcome guests into your home without all the stress. There will be guest interviews with party planning and hospitality experts that share their secrets to becoming a confident hostess. So get comfortable as we find the joy in celebrating life's big and small moments. Hello, and welcome to the 28th episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. I'm so glad you're listening today, and I want to start out by saying a huge thank you to one of my listeners, Ella B. 47, left the nicest review on Apple Podcasts. She said, I love the gift of hospitality and look forward each week to new topics on the podcast. The tips and conversations surround are wonderful. Thank you for the inspiration and all the work you share. I can't tell you how happy that makes me, Ella B. 47. I'm so grateful for you and reviews like that really help the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, I'm blessed to have Laura Camacho here to chat with us about how communication has the potential to really make or break an event that we are hosting. Laura is a communications coach and consultant to high-performing leaders and very big-name companies like Google and Nestle. She is also the author of the Cultured Communication Workbook and the Practical Guide to Effective Communication. She also has a podcast called Speak Up with Laura Camacho, which is ranked number three in the world for communication podcasts. I met Laura last November in Atlanta at one of the Lydia Menzies soirees for the Supper Club, and she is so much fun, and I know that you're going to love learning from her. Thank you so much for being here, Laura. Oh, my goodness, Christy. I am just beyond thrilled and honored to be a guest on the Happy Hostess. I love the name. I think that the Supper Club is such a fantastic group of women who are, you know, making the world a better place through hospitality. And I think that's something that can be underrated. And, you know, I was just listening to your recent episode with Dawn, the Nashville mom, and she was pointing out how people don't have others into their home as often. And and I was like, yeah, you're right. But the loneliness epidemic, you know, people are lonely. And it's not just me saying that I'm not lonely. I have anything like too much to do and too many people. But statistically, loneliness, mental health, all of those things are reaching crisis levels, inviting people over, hospitality, approaching people, communicating with people. We can all make it better. Yes, it seems like there's been a sharp increase, you know, since the epidemic, obviously. And like you said, you just get out of the habit a lot of times about meeting up with other people or inviting them over because for so long it was taboo to do so. And so it is time for us all to encourage each other to make sure we're connecting with friends and family. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it, it was awkward for a long time. I remember... Clearly, summertime of 2020, so like the worst was over, but still people are very cautious. And I was at the beach, you know, of open air, and I saw a friend I hadn't seen since the fall. And I was so excited. I ran up and gave her a big hug. And then I just felt awful. I thought, oh, my gosh, she might be, you know, like freaking out because this person has hugged her. Because I used to, and and that, you know, it set me back. It took me a while to, like, get my confidence back. 
about engaging with people and, and you know, but listening to your podcast, Christy's really helped me to lean in. I mean, I've already gotten back into the group. I had three kids get married in 2021. So that definitely kicked oh. off my social life. But, you know, also the business side of it, that's a little bit, it takes more effort because it's not, you know, it's for business, but also moving that forward and, and reaching out to people. And they're always so delighted to have an invitation, I think. Yes, it is. It really is an honor to be invited into someone else's home or out to a restaurant that they're thinking of you and they want to yes, see you. Yes, exactly. And, and that makes you feel, you know, appreciated and seen, heard, valued. Even if you can't go, it's nice to be invited. Right. That is so true. And I can't believe you had three weddings in one year. Oh, yeah. That, that was insane in a great way. But because it was, you know, the later stages of the pandemic, all the weddings were small. So okay. that was a, a blessing. And, you know, there was, so, there was so much grace because of the timing and having three so close together. It was just a ton of fun. But it was definitely, we were busy, but it was yes. good. I can't, I can't imagine. I really can't. But uh, it's wonderful that it was all fun and that you had a good time. Yes, it was. And having one, to have two daughters and a son and a stepdaughter. And stepdaughter's in college and still living at home and is not engaged or anything. But that is definitely a lot easier when you're mother of the groom than mother of the bride. Just That's FYI for those of you listening, if you have kids in their early 20s, I bet. For sure. I have two boys first, and then I have a girl, so. Oh, okay. You get the easy part first, then. Probably. Yes, probably. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you landed here today as a communications coach? Oh, Christy, that's such a great question. It definitely was not that I was thinking that when I was young. In fact, even when I start, I started my business in 2009. And even then, I wasn't really sure what a communication coach would do. I mean, I kind of had, I had ideas, but it was not like a real thing. But I had this unusual calling, I think, for a Southerner. You know, I was born in a small town in South Carolina and grew up in the Atlanta area. And my grandmother my mom's mom gave me a book when I was four years old that had these sayings in different languages, like, you know, the sun is shining, and solar is brillando. I don't know, like <laughs> in Spanish and German, Italian. And that somehow made such an impression on me that it, by the time I got out of college, I had learned pretty decent Spanish and French. And I wanted to be an international businesswoman. And the only, you know, path that seemed open at the time was to be a flight attendant, which I didn't want to do. So I didn't do that. So long story short, I went, got my MBA. And there I met somebody, a very handsome, charming man and from Venezuela and, and married him and moved there and got involved in writing and I ended up being a facilitator for the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So that was my first taste of corporate development. And by the way, I'm a fourth generation teacher. So I knew the one thing I didn't want to be was a teacher. 
<laughs> but in in the end, after moving back to the States and getting a job at East Carolina University as an assistant professor, and, and that led to my getting my PhD, I am a teacher, but I'm not teaching in the schools anymore. I'm teaching people in the business world, either can be business owners or it can be in corporate, more in corporate than business owners. But here's the thing, Christy, when you're in school, you don't have to really communicate. You just have to do the work and turn in the paper, turn in the thing and do it right. And you get a good grade, right? Right. So there's there's this whole population of nerds, and I'm one of them, that we did that. We, we went to school. We did it what the teacher asked. Maybe we did a little bit more than what they asked for. We got A's. And then you get out into the working world and you see, oh, these people... You know, I'm smarter than so-and-so, and look, he's my boss. Uh, or how did she get there? Or you just see that the communication skills, the ability to influence people is like the skill to have. And then what I learned, Christy, the hard, the hard, hard way is that to start a business. Like, I, I knew all my communication, you know, theory and, and a lot of exercises. My dissertation had been about the political rhetoric of Hugo Chavez, the president, former president of Venezuela, so I knew all I knew all this stuff, but I didn't know how to build a business. Well, how do you build a business? <laughs> Building relationships, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> and so it's really the skills that I, you know, acquired in building the business on top of the PhD and all the you know teaching, public speaking, then teaching other communications. I just have this insight of oh, this is how you can sell an idea. Oh, this is how you connect with people. And it, I, I began noticing things that I think a lot of extroverts or charismatic people, they do without even thinking. But for a slightly awkward introvert, you're thinking, oh, I don't know what to say. So I kind of reverse engineered all that. And that's how I got into this. But to, to make a, a long story, not quite as long. Well, that is so interesting. You gave us lots of insight about communication. And it really, it touches every aspect of our life totally and it's free <laughs> that's the thing like you, you can be from the wrong side of the sticks or the wrong side of the track sorry i'm mixing metaphors here <laughs> but if you learn to communicate people that will not hold you back right professionally wise or socially it really is one of the biggest if not the biggest part of reaching your goals or success is having the ability to communicate effectively and be able to have people help you on the way or do do what it is that you need them to do. Exactly. You just want people to do what you want them to do and you can't. Like I, my original terrible thing I did with communication was just expecting that the way I thought it should be was obviously the way it should be. And that even having to argue from my point of view, I just had this misplaced confidence that no, it's not that obvious, Laura. And and thinking, well, if people don't understand me, then something's wrong with them. No, Laura, that's not it. You're not explaining yourself well. And and part of that goes in there's four basic communication styles. And one of them is like being very action-oriented, which is good for leaders. It's good for business owners because we really get things done. But if you're not careful, then it can be perceived as like you're running over people or you're rushing them or you're not taking time to explain yourself. So it takes, you know, a little bit of humility and self-awareness to realize, yes, you're good at getting things done, 
but you need to bring people along with you. Yes, that that is very common with business owners. There's a little bit of that in me, actually. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure, because we need that. But we just need to add tools to our toolbox so that we can, you know, share the vision and not isolate people or, you know, there's a communication style. Say a person who's very people-oriented is the one that asks about your puppy and your child and that remembers that your son plays soccer on this team and and they are so into the, those details that are so warm and make you feel welcome. But for an action-oriented communicator, that sometimes feels like you're wasting my time. But it's really finding the way, if you're action-oriented or if you're an introvert, find the way to build a relationship in a way that doesn't take a long time. Yes, and that's really true for when we're in a social situation as well. Yes. When, when you were growing up, did your family entertain a lot? Oh, my gosh, Christy. My mom was Martha Stewart before Martha Stewart was a thing. I mean, my dad was a periodontist, and periodontists build their business by, as a gum surgeon, by the way, in case somebody's okay. wondering, they build their business by getting referrals from regular dentists. So my mom would throw these beautiful dinner parties every month. But she hated when it, to have just dentists in the room. I mean, just imagine like a mini dental conference every month. So she, that like they would invite, I don't know, maybe one dentist and then a bunch of other people or something. Not, it was just a dinner party. It was not a big party. Right. But my mother and my grandmother threw elegant dinner parties and big parties quite frequently, teas. It was an integral part of growing up. And, you know, we kids helped in the kitchen with the cleanup, you know, with everything. So I, so that's an advantage, definitely, socially, at least to know kind of the operational side of things. And But it's one thing to do, like, washing the dishes and serving the food and planning the menu. And it's another thing that you welcome each guest and you want them to have a good time and let me see what you think about this. Like mixing your friends to me is like you may know somebody you really like from work, but there's another person you really like from your gym. And then your son's mom is a good friend. Like, and you, you're like, oh, I want to bring these people together. And then you put them in a room and it can feel awkward to them if you yes. don't, you know, like take action. That sounds like a very fun way to grow up with all that going on. It was. It was definitely fun. And now as an adult, what type of entertaining do you enjoy the most? Like small get-togethers, parties, or what? Well, I grew up in a very large home, and large homes are great for giving lavish parties. And I don't live in a large home. I live in in a nice-sized home, and I had to get over that change. You know, for me, it was like, well, I don't have, you know, this 5,000 square foot home. So how am I going to entertain? But you learn to adapt. People don't care. People really do not care if your house is small, if your house is, you know, not looking like, you know, it should be an architectural digest. People do not care. But every home has an asset. And my home's asset is the backyard. We have a very large flat backyard that my husband has, you know, made look very nice. We have lots of outdoor furniture. So we tend to use the outside for big parties 
and then the inside for smaller dinners. What we do every week, every Sunday, that says we're Catholic, one of the many advantages to being Catholic is you have lots of options for going to church on the weekend <laughs> from Saturday night, Sunday morning or early, Sunday noon, and Sunday afternoon. So we have a Sunday morning brunch. And we always have family. My son is in town with his wife, and he has two little baby girls. And, you know, my stepdaughter will bring her boyfriend, and we might invite somebody else. So that's a staple. And and that's good to have a regular event like that. Could be a spaghetti dinner, but our case is brunch. My husband and I both cook. And it's, you know, it's just like a well-oiled machine. We have, we just do that. But the really fun Bigger parties are always outside. And we have even had parties outside in the winter. The last one was January 6th, which is the day the wise men, you know, celebrate. I don't know what day they arrived, but the day that we celebrate, the day the wise men arrived to see baby Jesus, we had a bonfire. And our cleaning lady is from Mexico, and she got hooked me up with a contact who made some homemade tamales. Oh. And I made chili. And it was so much fun. You know, it's a little chilly. People have their coats on, but we had it outside. So I think you have to, like, you just have to entertain in the way that suits your living circumstances. Yes, that's true. It's If we all strive to do that, we'll do it more often because it's more natural. And I love that you have the standing once a week meeting with your family. Meeting is not the right word, but a get-together with your family. It really helps kind of everybody knows when it is. They don't make plans. Exactly. And that's what you have to do because just like y'all were talking in, in another episode, I mean, especially when the kids get into sports and I don't know what we're going to do when the you know the, the oldest grandchildren are 18 months. So we have a, we still have some time. I'm like, let's do tennis, not soccer, but we'll see. Yeah, to have that sacred time that, yeah, you don't make plans and everybody, and it's, you know, an hour and a half. It's not like a big chunk of time, but everybody gets to calibrate and it keeps you, you know, keeps your entertaining chops a little fired up. That's true. Now, since you are the expert in communications, what can we do as a hostess or a host? to make sure that we are making our guests feel as comfortable as possible. Ah, that is so good. I'm so glad you asked that. And so I've got a few tips, all very practical and easy. So the first, the first, the hardest part of the party is like when the first guest comes, because they're like, oh, did I arrive too early? Or, you know, it's once I arrived at a birthday party in Venezuela, like, say, 15 minutes after the starting time, and like the Hosts and hostesses were not even dressed. (laughs) But hopefully that's not going to happen to you here. So this is what you do. You engineer, because you have to think about this in advance. At least I am just terrible at in the moment. To me, like everything has to be planned, kind of like an astronaut going to the moon plans his trip so he doesn't blow up. You plan things. So you think, okay, the first person who comes, I'm going to have them, you know, move this tray from point A to point B. Or I'm going to have them be the barman for the first few minutes. Or, I, you know, there's always things to do at the last minute. So if you can save some easy tasks for your first guest, that's a good thing to do. And then if you're in the kitchen, you know, give them dishes to wash or 
They really do want to help. You may feel weird about making them work, but let, let them give them something to do. That's one thing. And then it's another, like, I'm thinking like through the timeline of the of an event or a party. The way you introduce people is just such an opportunity. Because if I say, hey, Christy, this is my friend John. I know y'all enjoy each other. And you're going to be like, what, what do I say to this guy? But if I say, oh, Christy, I heard she has two sons. I know one of them plays golf. John is like, he's a semi-pro in golf. He's been playing forever. And I think he went to this and that tournament. And, you know, I just give everybody a mini bio about each other. And you, since you're the common factor, the hostess, what you think they can bond over in the beginning. If you do that for your guests, then you're facilitating their building a connection because you're making it easy for them. And they're feeling more confident because you've kind of validated them and said something cool about them, you know, so-and-so, oh, this is the super mom. She has four kids and she helps her husband and her business. You know, what you want to find out from her is how she gets it all done because I don't even know. You know, just a little, like a little public service announcement for each of your guests to each other. That is very helpful. So giving them something to do and the way you introduce them. And then another thing I like to do but it depends on the kind of party it is. But there's something called decision fatigue, which is meaning let you get tired of making decisions. And for somebody very awkward, they are going to worry about like where to stand, where to sit, where to go. And so you want to like orient them like here are the cocktails, here are the appetite. Even though if you open your eyes, you can see it. So it feels redundant. But it's reassuring somebody who's new to your world. Like, this is where things are. This is where the bathroom is. And just one more extension on that. I like place cards. Because then people don't have to worry about where to sit. And they will worry. Some people will. Not everybody. But some people will literally have anxiety, if it's a dinner party, about where they should sit. Yes. So those are some of my tips for making your guests feel comfortable, even though you've got like 5,000 other things that you have to do to make the party happen, that should be number one. Now, I am a certified introvert myself. So I'd love it if you shared some advice for people like me that about what we can do if we're the guests at a function where there's a lot of small talk and that can sometimes be a little challenging for us. Absolutely, Christy. Absolutely. So, so, you know, again, you're planning it like NASA, right? <laughs> so if, if it's a big event and you don't know many people, I would not plan to stay very long. Now, if you decide to stay a longer time, that's fine. But I think it takes a little pressure off of yourself if you say, well, I'm going to go for an hour and, you know, have a good time because this is the key difference for introverts and extroverts. For all you extroverts listening, it's not that we don't like people. It's not that we want to be hermits. It's just that being conversational and reaching out and talking to people when we're unsure, it takes a lot of energy. So it tires us. So that's the thing. It's not that we don't like people. So I, I would, you know, if it's a big event, I would, you know, say I'm going to talk, say 45 minutes an hour. And then if 
probably you'll be having a good time and you'll end up staying later. But that just takes some of the pressure off of yourself. Another thing is to have your questions, some questions teed up. I have a list of 50 conversation starters. And anybody, you know, if you put the email in the show notes, it's hello at speakupwithlaura.com. I will send them to you. You don't need 50. (laughs) Don't bring 50. It's not an interrogation. (laughs) But if you bring some questions like, how long have you been in this town? Or what brings you here? How do you know our hostess? What's cooking in your grill? You know, what are you excited about? You just bring some questions and that should kick things off. But here are two more pro tips for that. You also want to be, when people it should be like ping pong. It should be, I ask you a question and you answer and then you ask me back. So that is how, that's the ideal. Ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. However, there are some people who are not socially skilled and it will literally feel like you are interrogating them. Like, where are you from? Ohio. How long have you been here? Two years. How many children do you have? Three. (laughs) And you're just like, I don't know. So then you say, this has been so interesting. I'm going to go refresh my drink. And you get that, you know, it's just a person. I used to think that they didn't like me. I don't think that it could be true, but I think it just that they're just not socially awkward. So when someone asks you a question, you need to give them some something to go with. I've been here nine years. I moved here from North Carolina. I think living so close to the beach is the best thing that's ever happened to me. What about you? So that means the other person, maybe they also lived in North Carolina. Maybe they also liked the beach. And maybe they moved here at a different from a different place. But you see, you're giving them some threads that they can pull on to keep the conversation going. And then finally, You know, it just depends on the event and so forth. You might look at the news, especially the celebrity news, and see if there's, oh, did you see about, I don't know, something that J-Lo did or Beyonce? I mean, I, Laura, would never know the answer to that, but a lot of people follow that. Okay, so so not with Christy and me, but again, you know your audience. And if if it's a sports fan group, maybe you looked up what's the latest, just the headlines, and get them talking. So does that give you some peace of mind there, some that you can... It does. I love that so much of it is proactive, that you can think ahead of time. That's the name of the game, is figuring it out. And your exit plan. So if you the conversation is going too long for your taste, you say, hello, Christy, what are your plans for the weekend or this summer? Some, it's a future mention. That's the tool. You want to get it out of the conversation. You move the top, the everybody's thoughts to the future. Oh, yeah, we're going to Hilton Head next week. Oh, great. Well, it's been so good talking to you. I know you want to talk to other people. You know, it's great meeting you. Have have fun at Hilton Head. Bye. You know, <laughs> with a little bit less attitude. But that's how you get out of those long conversations. Well, that that's a good one. And now every time though someone mentions the future to me, I'm going to be thinking, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> well, but yeah, that's funny. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, that would be interesting. Oh, <laughs> but it's good for me to have because that I do feel 
awkward when I need to get away and I don't want to be offensive, you know? So that was a great transition. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Christy, that, you know, I'm like a confessor because people tell me, you know, because obviously they need help or they wouldn't pay an expensive coach to help them. So the, the chatty ones, they'll say to me, Laura, I just don't know when to stop. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if they understand it, even though I've said it seven times. <laughs> I always say, if that thought crosses your mind, just shut up. <laughs> just just zip it <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> That's so funny. I bet you do hear a lot of interesting things. Oh, so many interesting things, yes. Now, are there any common mistakes that a lot of hosts might make when they're trying to make guests feel at ease? Well, I think the main mistake that a lot of us make, and I have certainly done that, is that you're just so focused on the logistics and the food. And I think every time I give a party, like I make something that I forget to serve, you know, the next day I go to the microwave and see something that I heated up and forgot about. Yes. But that that we forget about the people there because we're focused on the logistics. And it can be a lot of work. I really liked Dawn's suggestion in a recent episode about catering. You you do want to, you know, not stretch yourself too much because you do want to enjoy yourself. So I, I do a mix of catering and or takeout or Costco plus homemade because I have made the mistake of just being like like the Tasmanian devil during the thing. And I literally hardly get to talk to people. And people start to talk to you and you're like, I have something in the oven I need to take out. And so that's not the way to do it. You want to be able to enjoy the people. And so I would say, you know, lower your goals as far as, you know, the tablescape maybe it's just not quite as if that's something that's going to take your time actually i think the tablescape you can do that ahead of time it's always that last minute thing is what gets us tripped up but figure out a way that you can enjoy your own party now what about maybe difficult guests or disruptive do you have any tips or ways to handle that's a t- like sticky situation. Yeah, that can be, that can happen. Like I had a guest. It was my husband at a business contact. He actually stole some of the silver, but that wasn't being disruptive. I didn't find out until after he left. I oh my say he was not invited back. That was while living in another country. It, it is definitely hard, and it can. That is often not always related to drinking too much so you try to you know if you put on water down to their future drinks and i think isolating the person like and you the hostess will definitely take the hit you know hey bob let me come i want you to see this plant that is just doing so well in the backyard and you know if you it, it, it depends again if it's a sit down seated dinner you can't do that right but if it's right. a a stand-up party, you, the hostess, have to, like, isolate the person, take them away, and, you know, you're going to be super gentle and friendly with them and just separate them from... And then if they're with another person, you know, maybe you suggest that, you know, so-and-so may have had too much to drink. I mean, in my experience, it has to do with too much drinking. If it's just somebody being, like, too political... 
you can be like, ha, 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 ha. well, let's not talk about that anymore. Let's talk about, and you know, what's your favorite restaurant? Everybody, you know, you go around. That's that's another thing you can do with conversation starts. As everybody they go around and say, what was your best vacation? And, you know, you could just take the reins and make a little game of it is another, you know, but it's your party. It's your venue. It's you. You can just kind of change the scene. If you need to end the party, I learned a great trick from Lydia. I don't, do you know this trick about how to make people go home? I think I, I remember that, but I, I can't wait to, to make that. <laughs> well, I thought it was genius. Because that, and that, first of all, is like, pat yourself on the back. Everybody's having such a great time. They don't want to go home, but you want to go to bed. So that is, that is, means that you've been extremely successful and have made the world a better place. But this is the, this is, this is what you, that you, you, first of all, you have to, again, planning like NASA, you have your party favor, you know, a cookie. I don't know. You might have some good party favor ideas. She, I don't. Lydia had several, like a little bottle, mini bottle of alcohol, or anyway, some little trinket that's a little party favor souvenir. And if you put them on a nice tray and you start passing them out and say, "It's been so good having you here. Thank you so much for coming." And usually, people get get the hint and go. But my husband, of course, I don't know about you, Christy. I'm married to an extrovert. Yes. So I am. when when we had hit my husband's 50th birthday party, which we had outside in December, his birthday is December 11th, and it was the coldest December 11th in the history of Charleston. I went to bed around 1.30 in the morning. He went and he went to bed about four in the morning. So oh. <laughs> I'm like. I just can't keep up, and it was and it was fine. So after midnight, I think you're allowed to just give up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if that, yeah. And so if you have an extrovert night owl spouse, they can handle it, and usually they enjoy it. That is true. <laughs> yes, and they tend to marry the opposite yes. every time. Yes. Now, what are some of the benefits that you found, both socially and professionally? with hosting others? Oh, that is such a good question. I mean, to me, if you were in the capacity to have people to your home or to, to meet them in a restaurant, I mean, which is includes, should include everybody. It doesn't have to be a lavish five-course dinner. That's something you can do that builds community, builds relationships, decreases loneliness. It shows your children how to interact with the world it brings people together. I just think it's a beautiful thing. I know in the Christian faith that hospitality is called out as a virtue in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, you know, I was raised in a Christian home and boy, that was our way of, you know, you're influencing people and you're also, it's a gift. I mean, it's being hospitable is a gift. It's a gift to the other people. Right. It's a lot of work. <laughs> But it forces you to not think about yourself. It forces you to focus on other people, how you can help them in a little way by bringing them into your home, feeding them something, nourishing them something, maybe exposing them to different ideas, a different worldview, introducing them to other people that might help them. 
And, you know, I also learned this, and I do have a lot of comparisons between introverts and extroverts. And it's funny, Christy, that as an introvert, you're in the hospitality world. <laughs> but leave to death. The more social connections you have, the longer your life expectancy is. That's wow. how important it is. And here's just one example. And hopefully my son, I have two son-in-laws and they're both, both went to college in the military. One's about to get out in a year. And he's an electrical engineer. And I met at a dinner at Easter, another, an electrical engineer who works with a prestigious consulting firm here in town. And trust me, I've already reached out to our hostess and I'm going to get them together when my son-in-law next comes to town. And that hopefully will get him a job or at least on the path to a job. Yeah. And get my daughter back to Charleston. So, you know, guests, everybody brings a world of expertise and ideas and connections that we can benefit from. And, and at the same time, what is more fun than saying, oh, you need, you need, I don't know, help with your tennis? So-and-so is the best tennis coach I know. Here's his number. Or you want to learn knitting? You know, so-and-so is a great knitter. I don't, I don't even know if people knit anymore. But just being able to connect people with each other is so rewarding. That reminds me of a TED Talk that's out there. It, I can't remember the title, but it's something about the point is isolation is keeping you from your dreams, that it's the power of the group that oh. actually can connect you to what it is that you need. And it's a really interesting, interesting talk, how these people seem were randomly connected. But within a group, there was someone who had a very small niche connection to be able to help someone else that was in the group. Very cool. That sounds, I would like to see that. It's, it's true, though. It's, I mean, and even for me building my business, I mean, I'm still not, I mean, to, for me, I don't go door to door and offer communication skills services. I, I don't, right? you know, you can't even get in the door anymore because everything's remote. But all of my business growth has been because I talked to somebody like Christy Lalonde, who then she said, oh, so-and-so was just mentioning that so-and-so needs help with public speaking. Can you help? And bam. And it's just like that. You know, that has brought me clients that I would never, I didn't even know they existed, you know, like a boutique recruiting firm in Manhattan that only deals with board members for the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, the niche to the niche to the niche. Yes. And I got in through meeting a friend who introduced me to another friend who, you know, a year after I would be met, brought me into that company. And I would have never known. They did, that they even existed. Just to give one example, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And, you know, who does flowers better? Who does great alterations? Where to get your insurance? All of those things we get from people that we know. So true. Now, I like to ask all my guests, what does hospitality really mean to you? Oh, my goodness. It means opening up your home and your heart to another person. And I mean, and that takes gumption to use my grandmother's words. You know, it, it's a lot more involved than just writing an email. But it is what I think if the thought crosses your mind that you should 
bring some people over or bring them together, then you're meant to do that. I think if we do more inviting people over, and it doesn't have to be in your home. It could be at, you know, a coffee shop. That's part of what we're here to do because people have problems that we don't know about. And maybe we were able to help them, but we don't even know about the problem or they may be able to help us with the problem. So I don't know if that's a very, it's a very winding kind of definition, but I definitely is opening up your heart and your home to someone else. Well, we all know that when entertaining, things don't go perfectly all the time. Do you have any times that you want to share where things didn't go just as you had anticipated? Oh, well, usually the... I've had people that I thought were coming and then at the last minute they didn't come. And I think most of the time it was a legit reason, but it never feels legit in that moment when the, when you were counting on them. And that would, that would not be a catastrophe, but just it would, I, I felt, you know, a little hurt about that, but there's no reason to. So if you do, you know, it, you just the people who come, are the people who are meant to be there and you just love them and enjoy them. And the other mistake, of course, this was with my in-laws on a Thanksgiving. And then my number one mistake was planning an outing, a kayaking outing for everybody on the morning of Thanksgiving and then me cooking the whole Thanksgiving dinner all by myself on the afternoon of Thanksgiving. So don't ever do that. (laughs) That's... And my turkey was not done on the end. I think I'd put it in, you know, at the right time, but it took longer than I thought. So that I now buy turkeys and, you know, the world didn't end. Nobody cried. It's just part of it. You know, out of every 50 parties or dinners that you get, um, something's going to go wrong at two of them. But, you know, that's life. And that's part of the price of having a good life. Sometimes things go amiss, but no worries. You just keep moving forward and think of all the skills and resilience you're building. That's very true. Now, what is the one piece of advice that you would give the new hostess that's just getting started? Just start small. Just start, you know. Here's another. This was a fiasco. (laughs) We had a dinner, so, so don't do this either. I was making pasta for the first time. I mean, making it by hand. This was in, I had, it was a really wet. I hadn't found a job yet in Caracas. And my husband that we had invited some people, the same dinner where they stole the silver. I handmade pasta. And then my husband, who was an engineer and a little, he was a little bit too smart for his own good. You know, fresh pasta needs to cook like a a minute or right. Like it's, it's flash. Well, he was like, that can't be true. No, Laura, you, that's way too, too short. It's going to be, it's going to be raw. And so it was this big mess. And so that was, but, you know, we survived. Nobody got hurt. We had other things to eat. So the new hostess, you know, if things will go wrong. So don't think that they won't. That's just part of life and part of being human. But just... Have fun with it. You know, do something that seems accessible to you and just do it and know that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I have to ask, how long did you cook the fresh pasta? I mean, probably three or four minutes. Okay. But it wasn't a long, I mean, I was like, <laughs> you know, I was hysterical. 
the new bride, but it was still like horrible. So, but it, but it might take some effort to make fresh pasta. Oh so I can my see why God. you were frustrated. I know. I was not frustrated with putting it mildly. I was just beyond, beyond, but somehow I held it together. Cause it, oh, yeah, it was my husband's boss. Huh? That one's who we had ever for dinner. But I was like, not my fault. <laughs> yeah. So, so somehow, anyway, just don't make pasta the first time that you have someone over. That's <laughs> buy it, cater it, and make peanut butter sandwiches. People really don't care. They just want to chill with you. That is correct. Now, it is time now for our speed round. Are you okay. Ready? Yeah, bring it on. Okay. What's your favorite candy? Keith Bars, dark chocolate. Hide for first place. <laughs> Is there food that you hate? Bologna. Never liked it. And it's really big in Germany. When I was there with my son, it was, you know, born there. Then when he was like two, in the grocery stores, at the butcher shop, butcher part of the grocery, they would always give my son bologna. He didn't like it either. And so I would have bologna in my purse. Oh, because oh, God. But, you know, it felt like everybody was watching us at the grocery store. So that just brought up a funny memory. No bologna. Are you binging anything on TV right now? I just finished binging Yellowstone which it was a little rough sometimes for me, but I enjoy it. And now we are binging on The Chosen, which I am liking more than I thought I would. Oh, I've looked at that, but I haven't started it. No, no, it's, it's surprisingly good and brings the story of Jesus like, like the disciples, like you see them as like people who have flaws, just like other people we know. So it's been interesting. What is your all-time favorite cookbook? Wow. Well, it's an old one, but I think it because it was given to me in high school or maybe college, you know, early. And I had back when I had time to really read these things, the Silver Palette cookbook. And there is a lemon cake in there that is still a family favorite. It is so good. But I, you know, I know it's dated. But if you can find a vintage silver palette cookbook, it's a good one. You're not the first person to say that. So, oh, really? Yes. Oh, so, okay. I'm going to make sure that I get it. <laughs> no, no. It's just really beautifully done. And it's about, you know, they reference entertaining. And I think there's some other things I picked up from there that I don't even refer back to it because I've just incorporated it into my, you know, repertoire. But that lemon cake is still, their carrot cake is also stunning. Well, please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and your website. I know they're going to want to connect with you. Oh, my goodness. I look forward to connecting to anyone. If you ever have communication conundrum, send it to me, email it to me at hello at speakupwithlaura.com. And I do have 50 conversation starters I'll be happy to send you on LinkedIn, which is where, you know, as a nerd, that's more where I hang out. Laura Camacho, PhD. Instagram, speak up with Laura. So you should be able to find me on one of those outlets. I really look forward 
to hearing from you and connecting. It's been so much fun. I feel like I did too much talking here, but I is a great topic that I don't get to talk about very often because I'm talking about, you know, how to speak up at a meeting and the timeline and the, the, what is the value that the user experience and all those corporate stuff. So I'm just like a monkey with a pencil getting to talk about parties. Well, your podcast is so helpful to anyone because there is so many references, obviously, about communication, but that it does pertain to every part of our lives. And so it really, really is. It's in a very entertaining, but also it is very helpful. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's also called Speak Up with Laura Camacho. And it's not it's not number three overall. It's number three in the category of communication skills. So, of course, you know, communication skills is obviously a top category. Who cares about finance or the Hollywood gossip? <laughs> communication <laughs> skills is the topic that the cool people are interested in. Now, before we go, did you also have something for our listeners if they were interested? I think it was the elevator pitch. Yes, that's it. Oh, it's so good. Yes, because that will help you introduce yourself. Now, it's it's geared more to corporate, but it gives you something to say about your work and a way to say it that's interesting. And it, there's a general audience version there's a insider version, like if you're meeting the president of your company, you're not going to say, I worked at such and such company, obviously, or even what industry. But it's a way of, you know, saying your name and saying what industry you're in, saying your title, and then just one or two sentences, you know, I'm a communication coach, but what I really do is help highly conscientious high performers represent themselves more accurately. You know, that's, that's, or what my favorite part is saying, seeing the transformation in people's lives. So it's, it's a way that you can use it definitely socially, but there's more pressure, you know, like if you're in a meeting where you don't know everybody. So there, it's, a, it's an elevator pitch tip sheet. It's two pages because I believe in keeping things simple and short. For heaven's sakes, don't go on and on about yourself. Nobody is that interested. Or if they can't, if they are, they can Google you. So, yes, it's an elevator pitch tip sheet. Just email me at hello at speakupwithlaura.com. And I can put the link in the show notes, too. Okay. Or I, I can send you a link that they can just opt in and get it, too. Okay. I thought it was very helpful. And it would be very easy to adapt in a social situation oh, as well. Yeah. It's just like what to say. Because the thing is, we're... You know, we're in our work all day and we think of all these things that other people don't really care about. And so it like puts you in this helicopter to pull you up to make it more interesting for other people. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming today. I'm so grateful that you are here. And I know our listeners have gotten so many takeaways that will help them. Oh, thank you, Christy. You're a great interviewer. And I can tell you're an introvert because you... Ask lots of really good questions. And that's a skill that introverts bring to the table is that we're curious and we ask good questions. So thank you so much. It's been a total pleasure. And I am so grateful to all of you listening. Please let's connect and make sure that you have somebody over. And if you're in Charleston, you better invite me. (laughs) Yes. Next time I go to Charleston, I will definitely be connecting with you first. 
All right. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your podcast app. It would mean the world to me. If you need links for anything mentioned during this episode, head over to happyhostesscollective.com and you'll find them in the show notes. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, have a great week.